0: Hi everybody, this is Harriet Berholtz here back with another episode of Now Hear Me Out. I basically wanted to, to have somebody come on here that has been met with you know some resistance or kind of just to hear what their experience was while trying to acquire a coronavirus test kit or going into an emergency room or urgent care and uh, asking you know to be tested and, and what that kind of ex- uh, experience was like for them. So we have a lovely lady here who has been uh, gracious enough to come on and talk to us about the experience that she had in the San. Bernardino County area while trying to get tested. So thank you so much for being here. Can you maybe start with how you initially felt like you, why you might need to get tested and and kind of the process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's kind of hard for me to pinpoint when my symptoms began. I remember telling my mom around March 4th that I kind of thought I had a bug. I just wasn't feeling good. I was feeling really tired. Um, And then I started Paying attention to my temperature, like around the 10th. And I had kind of a low-grade fever, never above 101 degrees. And it dipped down to 97. And I was experiencing chills and, you know, the body sweat and achy and just kind of like a, a roller coaster between those things. And I was having shortness of breath. Um, I developed a dry cough later. That's been more recently, but I have had tight lungs and sort of a tight muscular feeling in my torso area. That's been unfamiliar to me that I haven't had before. Um, I have had some waves of nausea, but I've never vomited. Um, I had sore throat for one day and it was just like very red, kind of veiny. Um, I have had a severe headache and extreme fatigue. And if I walk up the stairs, I am out of breath and I can feel my heart like thumping out of my chest, which is super unusual for me that that's not normal. Um, and it wasn't until March 2nd, that or 12th, sorry, that I had a conversation with my friend. And, um, I think that was the day that Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson tested positive and they talked about their symptoms and they were really pretty mild. And that kind of made me think, huh, maybe I should think twice about these things that I'm feeling. And I called my doctor around noon. Um, They were unavailable. So they had me leave a voicemail for a nurse with my symptoms and said that they would give me a call back. Um, And they have still to this day, never called me back. Uh, Yeah. And then later that evening, I was chatting with my brother and his girlfriend in a group text. And Told them that I'd call my doctor and these were the symptoms I was having, but I was still waiting for a call back. And since I hadn't had a callback from my doctor, um, my my brother, he had he either had a flyer or he looked up a flyer online with a phone number to call if he thought that you needed to be tested. And he called that number just to see where I could get tested in San Bernardino County. And he didn't realize it, but he called the CDC and Literally okay. within 60 seconds, the CDC was on the phone with me collecting my symptoms. And within 90 seconds, there was a fire truck and an ambulance outside my home, like full lights going, freaking out my neighbors oh my God, and five the God. EMTs, <laughs> stormed oh my, my home in full virus fighting regalia and masks and gloves and everything. And, um, they took my vitals. They did a finger stick. And everything seemed pretty okay, except my heart rate was like through the roof because the situation was insane. And um, I didn't have a fever at that time, but I had a couple of hours earlier. It was around um, 101, but I had taken a Tylenol. And so that fever had broken and my temperature at the time was 97 degrees. And they had asked me if I had traveled outside the country, which I had in January, but it was to Central America. And that didn't seem to um, set off any red, red flags for them. Um, they listened to my symptoms and said, basically, yeah, you could have COVID-19 or you might not. We don't have tests. We can't test you. Uh, we could take you to the ER right now to take your vitals again and give you a full bill of health, but they don't have tests there either. You're young, you're healthy. Even if you have it, this isn't going to kill you. They said to treat it like the flu and told my fiance to make me toast, <laughs> told me to call my brother. And they walked out the door and literally within 20 minutes of my brother making that initial phone call, it was all over. They never told me to quarantine, even though I I have both me and my fiance have done that anyways. Yeah. On Sunday, um, I called my doctor's office again and they were closed. So it directed me to an ER nurse. I told her my symptoms and she said they still have no tests. And unless I am part of, uh, you know, the at-risk Population, I probably wouldn't be tested anywhere. But she suggested that I call the CDC to find out, which was kind of funny at that point. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, yeah, not not helpful at all. Um, And then my dry cough really didn't present itself until Saturday, and then yesterday, which was Wednesday, I feel like I really you know, started feeling better. Um, the cough is annoying and painful, but I'm not fevering anymore. And all my other symptoms have subsided. Um, I have still mild fatigue, but, but that's really about it. My, my fiance is a few days behind me, I think. And it's definitely more of a concern for him because he was asthmatic as a child. And, um, you know, if, if I could have either one of us tested, I would, Get him tested in a second, um, but it just doesn't seem possible at this point.
0: And can I ask uh, how how old are you and your fiance if you don't mind me asking? Or you can give me an age range.
1: Sure, we're both thirty three.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're not in that traditional, obviously 65 and up or 60 and up, um, considered right. high at risk, or it sounds like you, neither of you have an underlying condition other than your, your fiance and, and having been asthmatic as a child. My husband actually also has dealt with asthma. So that's been a, a big concern of mine if he were to get it. But, um, but yeah, I can't believe that they didn't give you the instructions of self quarantining. I, and this was on the, the 12th that you said you called, right? Right. Oh my goodness. But so from the time when you first started experiencing any symptoms to to now when you feel like you've kind of turned a corner, how long was that?
1: Well, I think around the 4th I had been feeling a little bad for a few days, but I I'm not sure exactly the day that that things, you know, started.
0: Okay, for sure. No, well, I'm I'm really sorry that that you obviously had that experience. It sounds like a lot of people are experiencing uh, resistance when trying to get uh, testing done, either in an urgent care facility. Um, I know that they're saying a lot of drive-through testing facilities will be popping up. I know there's one over by uh, by where I live, but there is such a severe shortage of tests. It feels like it's almost being rationed, in a sense, right. to, uh, to those who they're considering most at risk. But at the same time, um, in order to get an accurate representation of what the current infected population number is, it feels like everybody who experiences symptoms should be tested. I mean, that just feels like the the smart thing to do, but I mean, what's your opinion on that?
1: Yeah, I agree. I feel like it has really given a false sense of security to people who think that the virus is nowhere near them. Um, especially since people can be walking around with really mild symptoms and, um, I don't know. I mean, I have kind of felt a little, it it has been an emotional experience for me because I feel a little abandoned. Like I can't get healthcare. I, even when I called, well, my brother called the highest of the authorities, they couldn't do anything for me either. So we're really on our own. And when I see, um, you know, people in my community say it's not a big deal, almost mocking people who are taking social distancing and isolation seriously. Um, I just think that they, they really don't understand how, how rampant this is going through our communities without us realizing because our numbers are so low and, Because of that, we we feel like we are safe, but we really, we aren't. It's, It's around us and we just don't realize.
0: No, for sure. I mean, thank you so much. I completely agree. I mean, we had an episode yesterday that we released about, you know, why healthy millennials are, and their kind of rugged individualism is is dangerous in the sense thinking, oh well, if I get this, I'll be fine. You know, I'm young and I'm healthy, but it's not really that. As you mentioned, people can be asymptomatic or experiencing very mild symptoms. They might confuse with allergies or just a common cold, and then be spreading it to the immunocompromised or the elderly or people, you know, people with underlying conditions. So, um, I really, really commend you for for taking this seriously and, and trying to, you know, your very best to get tested. But I mean, you spoke with the CDC, as you said, like the highest possible governing body, uh, who's kind of spearheading testing. And, and it sounded like, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to know if you would have told them, yes, I came back from China or yes, I just came back from, from Italy or something, if they would have actually taken it more seriously and, and tested you right there. But, um, Yeah. But yeah that that's interesting, but I, I'm so glad that you're feeling better. I really, really hope that your fiance is, uh, on the men's soon. I know you said he's a couple days behind you, but thank you so much for, for being willing to share your story with us. And, um, I, I wish you well. <laughs> everybody. And welcome back to another episode of Now Hear Me Out. I am interviewing today somebody very special, somebody who is working on the front lines of helping to to deal with the coronavirus, who's uh, working in the healthcare field as a nurse, Crips Green in La Jolla. And I kind of wanted to come on and just kind of balance everything out, given the fact that we gave time and uh, we spoke with people who were trying to go in and, and get tested for coronavirus. And they kind of told us their story about not being able to get tested or running into issues and being told that they're, you know, um, having to ration tests and everything like that. But that was never meant in any way to be sort of a, um, a, a diss, if you will, against the healthcare professionals, those people are the true heroes working on the front lines of all of this. And I thought it could just be really beneficial to speak to somebody, um, who's seeing this kind of stuff every day and talk about what exactly it looks like, uh, in the ER right now treated and just kind of everything along those lines. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. And yeah, I mean, can you kind of maybe just talk about you know what position uh, you're you're working in right now, and kind of what an average day at work right now looks like for you, given the current circumstances of COVID nineteen.
2: Uh, so on my current unit we're actually we only have about a patient census of 10 um, and we typically average between 25 to 30 so we're pretty actually overstaffed currently but I think it's just kind of the calm before the storm because all of the preventative measures to help flatten the curve we canceled all elective surgeries for anybody over the age of 50 and that's a huge uh, portion of our patient population and so um with the census being so low it's kind of you know know, nurses hate to say this, but it's kind of like slow, (laughs) Um, but I think it's just because they're anticipating the large influx of patients, and so they're trying to, you know, just also do all the preventative measures, but I actually did. We have a tent outside of our urgent care, a COVID tent for screening and testing. Um, and so I've been doing some, some shifts there just to try to help out and to help with coverage because it's, it's needed. Those went up so quickly and they needed staffing.
0: For sure. And what kind of protection are you guys taking while working in those tents? I've I've been hearing a lot about how um, hospitals at this time are extremely under. You know, um, don't have enough supplies. There there aren't enough uh, N95 masks or gloves or anything like that. Have you guys been pretty lucky in that regard? Or,
2: um, I mean, I think we're experiencing the same stress on our on our system at. at our hospital, as everybody else's, we don't have any N95 masks left. So we're going in with surgical masks. They're trying to um, keep the N95s for because they're finding that when you do like chest compressions, when you do certain kinds of breathing treatments, when you have to intubate the patient, that that kind of aeros- aerosolizes the. Um, the COVID. And so then it makes it a little bit more contagious and airborne. And so that's what the N95s, they're trying to keep those for like ICU and for emergent Mm -hmm. situations. So right now we only have surgical masks and, and, that's the kind of it kind of valid protection for you guys against the No, virus? I mean, no, we should have N95s, but there's, there's no N95s to be had. And then when I worked the COVID screening tent, we, we had run out of goggles by the end of the day. So we had to bleach them off in between each patient oh. that we were screening.
0: And do you have any, I mean, suggestions as to, to what people can do to sort of help with that? I know in some cases people have started fashioning their own, um, for example, I don't know if you watched Project Runway, but uh, the one of the guys, <laughs> Christian Siriano, has said that his entire sort of clothing design factory is going to be working exclusively to create sort of masks um, to donate to people in healthcare. But is it, is it true that N95s are really the only kind that will truly protect you guys against contracting it
2: if, if you come in contact with the virus? Well, I think that's the problem is that you also see like conflicting information. Like the CDC was going with, okay, it's just droplet precautions, which means a surgical mask is just fine. But then the World Health Organization is saying, no, we don't know enough. We still consider it to be airborne. And so it's, you know we get so many emails every day of like, okay, well, this is going to be fine. And, you know, no, it's not. And yes, it is. And then it just comes down to the fact that we simply do not have this stock anymore. And so that's it. Like we can only wear surgical masks and surgical masks are only good for four hours. So, um, and they're not, they're not good against airborne diseases. So,
0: No, for sure. And I I I don't know if you saw that kind of plea by a doctor that's gone viral. Um, I'm sure Yeah, just about um, how they think that kind of the C D C loosening their guidelines of what healthcare providers need to do isn't so much to protect healthcare providers or because we think that it's, you know, acceptable to just wear a surgical mask. It's because they want you to kind of stay on the front lines
2: treating this stuff and and not go home. Yeah. So the I mean, you know, we just, we got emails from work that, you know, it's where it's acceptable for us. If we've been exposed to the disease, if we, if we have a patient that we know is positive, it's, and we're exposed, it's still acceptable for us to go to work
1: um, wow. unless
2: we're symptomatic. The only cutoff is if we are showing symptoms.
0: Okay. Wow. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, what do you, what do you do in that situation? Cause I know, for example, um, in Italy, I know they're saying uh, a huge amount of the people infected right now. It is a lot of people that work in, in health. And I mean, cause you yeah. are expressing yourself on a daily basis. So, um, I, is it helpful if people at home who have maybe hoarded the N95 masks? I mean, can you encourage them to maybe drop them off at their local hospitals? I know I've heard a little
2: bit about people doing that, but maybe yeah, you can, you know. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> If you own, I mean, like, if you have a construction company and, you know, I mean, any, like, I'm trying to think of all the other, like, construction companies. I know that I heard a story that some, like, TV shows like Grey's Anatomy were donating their supplies. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's it would just be so great because, I mean, we really are, it's kind of, like, I've, I've kind of just come to the conclusion and accepted that I will probably just get it eventually because I don't have the proper protective equipment to take care of these patients.
0: Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I feel like that's not a risk that you should have to take. And I'm, I'm so sorry about that. And I'm just so grateful that you're continuing to go to work every day and show up for these people that, that
2: need you. So, I mean, thank you. Yeah. So much. Cause it- it's kind of just like, well, what's the other option? And there really isn't. So, I mean, I agree. I think that like the guidelines are probably being loosened because we need, we need people just to show up to work and, and that's us. And that's kind of the the gig we signed up for, but it would be just really nice if we could just have the equipment that we need to be able to provide, um, good care for people.
0: No, for sure. I mean, you guys should should have that. Um, but yeah, I mean, one thing I wanted to talk to you about as well as obviously there's a, a lot of talk about trying to flatten the curve and flattening the curve. Um, you know, how does social distancing really work to do that? There are a lot of people right now saying things like, well, it's been a week of self-quarantine and like people are still getting sick. So I don't think the social distancing stuff's working. Um, <laughs> but yeah. obviously, I've heard that flattening the curve um, is so that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system in, you know, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever that may be. Um, so as a healthcare provider, as a nurse, I mean, uh, what is flattening the curve mean to you? Like, why is it so important? And um, how, how long does it typically take, do you think, the social distancing to actually make a difference for us to know?
2: Oh, man, it's, it's really hard to say um, because, you know, the incubation period is one to 14 days, but I think they're showing that on average, it's three to five. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just, I mean, like flattening the curve it's, it's just, it's so hard because it's such a big, there's so many factors that go into it. You know, they're saying that like a lot of younger people don't necessarily have as such severe symptoms that they can be more of a carrier. Um, and so that, but then it's also, it's a lot worse than people who have underlying conditions in the older population. And so, I mean, it's just important for all of us to take care of ourselves, but also we don't want to have what we're currently having where we're running out of supplies. And then, you know, the situation in Italy is like some people just don't get any care period because the healthcare system over there is under so much stress from the influx of patients that they can't provide the appropriate care. And so, you know, if you're on the younger side, then it's more appropriate probably for you to just quarantine at home and then to take care of yourself at home, because all we're going to do for you in the hospital is we're just going to get you through your symptomatic period. We're going to hydrate you. We're going to, you know, give you stuff for your nausea and things like that. We don't have a, you know, we don't have a, um, a a vaccine. We don't have, all we can do is just let you write out the symptoms and support you while that happens and provide whatever supportive care you need. Like if you go into respiratory stress, you know, intubation and things like that. But it's, it's hard to say because right now, like things are, are calm, but you can tell that we're just waiting for the influx of patients to come in. For sure,
0: and I mean, what kind of timeline um, is? I mean, your work. I know the CDC and and the and WHO and all that kind of stuff. Um, the World Health Organization have have kind of said differing things. But what are you hearing, working in the hospital, as to when this is really going to get bad and start to overwhelm the healthcare system?
2: Um, nobody's really discussed that. Okay, it's kind of just you know we went into. I don't want to say panic mode, but we went into like, you know, we got to take action now. So we got our COVID screening tents up. We got our triage phone lines set up. um, And then we've started, you know, like testing people and getting the staffing for those and everything like that. And so it's been more of the focus on just like, let's, let's test and screen and trying to get ahead of this has been pretty much what we've been like focusing on at the hospital. Um, But they haven't given us much, you know, word in terms of, well, this is when we start to see the expect to start to see the influx of patients or this is what we anticipate. I think I, I tried asking like, is there a projection of how many patients and, you know, it's, it's just really, really hard to say.
0: For sure. And I mean, one of the things too is, uh, you know, there's. I've heard at least there's such a shortage of tests right now, and uh, I spoke on a podcast about two days ago, kind of um, about what exactly happened, where the breakdown happened in the, the supply chain for the CDC and the production of all of these tests. Just because um, in January uh, there was a, a lot, a lot of tests created and, and shipped to different areas, but I guess there was uh, some kind of defect or testing flaw in a lot of these tests, and so um, hospitals and um, other places were told to scrap them because they were providing a lot of false positives and, and false negatives, um, oh, in a wow. sense. And so it kind of just feels like a breakdown in the supply chain. And then now you have all of these companies scrambling to create their own tests. Um, some are saying, for example, would um, you know what kind of, that you guys are using? I, is, is it the Everlywell tests?
2: I'm... You know what? Honestly, I, I have no clue what the test is that we were using it's just the nasopharyngeal swab that we you shove far we, into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very okay. very far it's very uncomfortable <laughs> yeah no, for sure i think that's the same one you get with the flu right yeah it's the same it's the same uh, test that we do if we suspect that you have a flu yeah. It is not fun. So I highly no. recommend staying home. It is, yeah. If you measure, if you measure from the tip of your nose to where your ear starts, that's how far I have to stick that up your nose.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, my friend's daughter actually went and had to get tested and she was two. And it's a lot harder having to explain you know, to them what's going on rather than, Absolutely. you know, but, but I mean, what, what can you say to people who are kind of saying things like, Oh, it's just a flu. Why is everybody freaking out?
2: Well, it's, it's not just a flu. Um, it's, it's a lot more than that. Uh, you know, it doesn't just affect like your upper, usually viruses just affect like either your upper or your lower respiratory tract. This affects all of your respiratory tract. And then it kind of creates this, um, cascade effect of your system's immune response and then clogs up your lungs. Um, and it's, it's so hard to say because, you know, everybody is different. Everybody is different. Nobody follows like the textbook and everybody can have a different presentation and have a different, you know, result. Some people it can be like really bad. And then some people it's just kind of like a little cold. And so I think that's like another issue is, you know, we shouldn't just be saying and kind of being blase about it. Like, Oh, it's a flu. It's, it can be like a lot worse than that. And I mean, we, granted, we, we have the flu every year and we lose people from the flu every year. Um, but you know, this just came on so much quicker.
0: And is the spread of it a lot more kind of, um, intense Uh, because I was, I was reading and obviously I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but yeah,
2: I mean, I'm not a doctor either. I'm going off of everything (laughs) that I read. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what I mean? I got like a little, I can understand like, you know, the medical jargon and stuff, but I'm not an infectious disease doctor and epidemiologist by any means.
0: I think we all know though, that, that nurses honestly are, they take on a huge load of the responsibility with everything within a hospital or, or in a healthcare system. So, I mean, thank you so much for everything that you guys do. I know so much of oh, the, grunt, thank you. All the nurses and I mean, you guys are truly incredible. It's not trust me. Like when my, my little sister's highly immunocompromised. And so she spent a ton of time in hospitals and it's uh it's not always the doctors you remember, you know, it's, it's always like, Oh my gosh, yeah. my absolute best. They made this experience so much better. And, uh, uh, you know, you guys are really, really doing the the hard work with this. So, so thank you so much. And I mean, one thing I just kind of want to ask you guys as well is do you, are you seeing, um, obviously I know you work at Scripps. I, I go to Scripps, so does my whole family. And we've received messages about how um, telemedicine is kind of what people are trying to to change towards. So for example, my dad was supposed to go into a dermatologist to have a bunch of moles looked at. I know not super, yeah. cute to talk about, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> take photos and email them to him and that right. happened and literally within like twenty minutes he got a response. And what people are saying is this might change the future of how yeah. we do. It.
2: I really, I mean, I really think that you're going to see probably like a huge shift towards telemedicine, not only because, you know, I mean, unfortunately insurance companies are businesses and they have to make money and a, a more effective way to make money is telemedicine. And so, I mean, you can fit in more patients in a day, uh, have quicker, you know, visit times and everything like that. So I, I think that there'll be a huge shift. I just think that you know, hopefully they look at for people who have like more serious conditions and who really do need to be seen that that doesn't start to become an issue. Um, where something that maybe looks minor, but could be more serious, just gets passed over because it is still hard to do assessments like through pictures, iPhone pictures and, you know, Skype and stuff like that. Um, nothing beats like being able to assess the patient face to face, but I definitely do think there'll be a huge shift towards, telemedicine, especially like in the mental health field where it's going to be a lot, it's a lot easier for people to just pick up a phone and talk to a therapist over Skype or FaceTime or just, you know, just a plain old phone call.
0: No, for sure. And I mean, um, one of the things too, I wanted to ask is, do you think that we are currently kind of heading in the same direction as Italy right now, if we don't work to contain and practice social distancing and and all do our part?
2: Yeah, I definitely think that that, I mean, it, it definitely could happen it's not like Italy is, you know, a third world country that doesn't have an infrastructure. Like they have a, a well-established healthcare system and everything like that. And so, I mean, I think definitely it could be, I mean, hopefully it doesn't. And hopefully we got ahead of this and we, you know, doing our part and everybody's staying inside and restaurants going to take out only and things like that. Hopefully that that you know, flattens the curve, but it does, it's kind of foreboding when I'm at work and I can't get the supplies that I need, and we're running out of goggles and hand sanitizer, and we're running out of, you know, the proper masks and PPE that we need to wear.
0: For sure. And I mean, one thing I wanted to ask too, and I'm sorry for being a little bit all over the place here, I just think you're such no, a great no, okay. um with all of this. Um, the, obviously, there's been talks of that uh, conventional, the conventional treatment, um, like a, the malaria drug um, combined with an antibiotic. Uh, I know it's been slightly effective for some people. There was a, a small study done with, I think it was roughly 35 patients, and 20 people within two days were able to get a negative test after taking it. Um, is there any talks at all at your hospital of kind of making that something that's um, a more normalized treatment or anything along those lines?
2: No, we haven't. We haven't had any discussion in terms of what the course of treatment is for these patients. Okay. The, the only thing that we've been told is that if we get somebody who is positive, you know, we aren't supposed to be doing nebulizers like breathing treatments because oh. that aerosolizes, um, that we're only doing, uh, inhalers, bedside inhalers. And
0: is that because of the, the airborne nature of the disease or is it because of the efficacy of the treatment?
2: I think it's because the airborne nature of the disease. I think they're seeing that when you do like nebulizers, I think I heard also chest compressions, like when you're intubating, it kind of aerosolizes the virus and then it can spread that way. Wow. Okay. Virus, so that's oh gosh no for sure
0: um but yeah i mean th- that's basically all of the questions that i had regarding this is there anything that you can recommend obviously as a nurse what what's the best thing that people can do right now to protect stay
2: themselves inside. stay inside wash your hands with soap and water um As much as possible, you know, stay away from anybody who's over the age of 65, especially if they have any underlying conditions, especially respiratory conditions. Um, and please be nice to your nurses. (laughs) You guys are working
0: so, so hard. And I, I definitely, I've heard there's a lot of you know frustration going on people trying to go get tested and stuff and just freaking out at healthcare workers so guys please don't do that i know that this is yeah, very times for everybody but these people are literally going into work and putting their their lives on the line for you guys without adequate protection and working overtime and going home to their families and their loved ones knowing that they're probably going to get it at some point i mean you know it's it's not okay so please be kind and and thank you so much for coming on today i really yeah of course thanks for having me and, um, yes, please guys, if you guys have any excess n 95 masks lying around, please donate them to your nearest hospital or emergency room or place that, you know, is testing for Corona, which is probably most likely everywhere right now. And uh, yeah. to help people have supplies. So masks, um, are gloves also in demand right
2: now? Um, you know, I don't, we didn't have a problem with masks. It was just the, at the end of the day, when I was working our testing tent, we were, we ran out of goggles. And what goggles are those possible that people can donate um yeah i mean like if like in construction like just the clear plastic like dental offices um just those ones that you know you wear to just protect your eyes if you're doing a project at home with like sawdust or anything like that that's floating around or what you see when you go and you get a cleaning done at the dentist's office um but i think i think we're good on gloves. And I think we were doing fine on gowns too.
0: Okay. For sure. But yeah, definitely guys, if you have any of those lying around, donate them to your local hospital and emergency room and all that kind of stuff. And just, just be nice to your healthcare workers. Thank you so much for coming on today. And please, please stay safe out there. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.